What's up, everybody? Welcome to the OKC82 podcast on a Wednesday evening following the Thunder's 124-103 to loss to Billy Donovan and the Chicago Bulls for the Thunder's first home game since March 3rd of this year when they lost the LA Clippers. And then, I guess, technically their first home game since March 11th when they were trying to play the Utah Jazz and then this whole nightmare that we're still currently living in began. But we find ourselves here, Brady Trantham here, alongside Christine Butterfield. Um, it was a game that was played. I was there. Two teams played. It was very, very weird. It was yeah. 160, 170 people in, in an arena that can hold up to 18,000 fans, and then you add the players, coaches, media, camera, people, all those, you know, there's about 19, 20,000 people in that arena on a home game. And it was obviously not like that. It was, it was weird. And then you're watching a whole bunch of Thunder players that um, people aren't too familiar with just yet, some rookies as well. And it just kind of added to the entire, I can't believe I'm here. I'm thankful that I'm here. And boy, is it going to be a long year. If this is what's going to have to take place in order to do the job, it's going to be a long year for that, but as well for Thunder fans, Christine, just because, I mean, as excited as people were Saturday night after the Spurs, uh, they came back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was a reality check that, you know, the Thunder fan base probably needed because last year, I feel like the organization kind of got a fail safe a little bit just with the fact that Chris Paul kind of helped save them from a tanking season. And, you know, this year after seeing them, play well against the Spurs I think some people were thinking that they might be back to that now but it's very clear that it's going to be a rebuilding season again but before we kind of get into how the game went tonight Brady I just kind of want you to describe your experience from you know being at the game tonight because obviously there's a limited amount of seats there's a limited amount of people from the media that get to go just due to everything that's going on Um, and I just wanted to hear what your experience was well I mean Obviously, people have probably seen what the whole experience was like if you've been on Twitter. Um, I mean, myself, other media members like Joe Masato posting pictures and videos of um, sarcastically of the home crowd gives Billy Donovan a rousing ovation because they had a pre-recorded uh, fan reaction when they announced Billy Donovan was back in Oklahoma City. Um, yeah, like so people understand it's an empty arena. There's not really that much to look at other than the game but um it it was odd it was utterly odd and I think I've become accustomed to the zoomness of this job where we're doing all these press availabilities through zoom so maybe you know game 10 game 12 I'll probably be used to what has to take place in order to do this job when the Thunder are playing in Oklahoma City but um, I'll say this I mean, I, I talked to you before we started recording about stuff that I don't people don't really give a damn about to listen to on this podcast. Um, it's a lot of inside baseball in terms of being a media member. Uh, but I will say this. Oklahoma City, the Thunder, they love, I bet they love this. You mean the media don't have to get up in our grills? Awesome. You mean we can limit the, just how many media members can come awesome there was only one franchise member there and usually we have three or four people there 
I mean, was, last was, year we would be just walking me. around with like five, actually, like some games. Yeah, this and you might, if you're listening, again, we're not going to talk about this for too long. We'll talk about the game, I promise. But if you're listening, you might think that having three or four, or even five people to cover a basketball game is a little bit of overkill. And in some ways it is, but in order to do this job properly, the way that we want to present the product, it's not just, we're not just writing. We're not just putting out funny clips. We're not just doing X, Y, or Z only. We want to do pretty much everything. In order to do that, you need more than at least one person. Yeah. Well, because last year, you know, you had you and Madison doing the post game show at Flint, right? Yeah. So that's taking away two people from post game availability altogether. And then you would need someone to be covering Billy Donovan, the head coach at the time, the away way game, the way team locker room, and then the Thunder locker room. So that's another three people. Yeah. So really five people is kind of like if you want all your bases covered, that's what you would need to have in there. Yeah. So obviously the job is going to be harder and that should shock nobody because I'm sure everybody listening to this, I'm sure your job got harder ever since this unfortunate thing has been a part of our lives back since March. Um, so who can, don't weep for me at all, but, um, going back to kind of what I think, how the thunder view about this, um, a small observation. So I jumped on the availability call with Billy Donovan, uh, pregame wise about an hour and a half before tip off. And here, I'll go ahead and play you the clip. I put it out. So already on Twitter. So if it's overkill, sorry, but you're going to have to listen to it again. But I finally got the information's on what beer exactly he and Sam Presti, Billy Donovan, that is, uh, drank together when they both realized, yeah, Billy's not going to coach the Thunder anymore. But here's what I asked Billy, and here's what he had to say. Hey, Billy, good to see you again, and uh, congrats on the Bulls gig. Thanks, Brady. Good to see you, too. I guess I haven't seen – I can't see you, but I can hear you. <laughs> oh, you're not missing much. But Okay. Two, two quick questions. One you can answer uh, quick, and then we'll get to the other one. But Sam Presti said when you guys met – when it was apparent what was going to happen, you guys had some cheap beers together. I was just curious, what were those? Uh, what exactly were those ch- cheap beers? I'm not really sure what they. Were. I think maybe Coors or something or Coors Light. I'm not quite a hundred percent sure what they were. Okay, I'm glad. We it wasn't got like there. there was a lot of them. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm glad we got down to that now. Yeah. Now the small observation about that: when I jumped on that call, there were immediately 20, 25 people on it, and all the Chicago people media wise had their cameras on and why is that interesting well the thunder when we do press availabilities every single day they ask us beforehand to turn our cameras off so it's just kind of a foregone conclusion when when i jump on the zoom with mark dagnall or players my camera's off and i also don't really want my camera on anyway because most of the time i'm doing this in my underwear and obviously you lose kind of the human face-to-face interaction as much as you can have it through a computer but um, like, like you heard, like Billy couldn't see me because my camera was off. And so I'm thinking after the fact, you know what? Other NBA teams, are they just letting you know media members have their camera on so you can have somewhat of a human interaction with the media while the Thunder are just like, no, we want to operate in a bubble? Because people that have followed this team, they've thought this before. It's not a... It's not a a unique thought, but I've never really talked about it other than just with friends, but I've always felt like the Thunder want to operate in a bubble. And what do I mean by that? I mean, they understand where they play. They understand where their players have to live, 
And it's not the most desirable location for a 20, 30-year-old millionaire basketball player to live in Oklahoma City. That's not to say that they won't enjoy it. They won't enjoy the community or the people here. I'm sure, like, obviously there are a lot of great experiences and connections that are made from players that have played here for the Thunder. But the Thunder makes sure that their players only have to care about basketball. It's, you always hear that tagline. Whenever a new person comes to Oklahoma City and we ask them, so how do you like the city? I like it. All I have to do is worry about basketball. I'm going to be focused on my game this year. Exactly. The Thunder want their players to just live in a bubble where you go to the facility to practice, you go to the arena, and then you go to your gigantic mansion in Gallardia or Lake Arcadia or Nichols Hills or wherever the hell they're living, and that's it. I've seen them out, you know, like before times of plague. I've seen them out at bars just being normal 20, 30-year-olds. That's, you know, it's fine. But for the most part, they stay in three three Distinct specific spots, spots the yeah. entire time. The Thunder want them to live in a bubble. And this entire COVID protocol that they have to do now just kind of feeds more into it. So are the Thunder happy that we're in a pandemic? Of course not. I'm sure they want things to go back to normal ASAP, but in the interim, boy, do they probably enjoy, oh, no face-to-face interaction, no human interaction. Great. The bare minimum, because that's what it felt like tonight. That's what it absolutely felt like tonight. I uh, sat up in the nosebleeds, which I do anyway all the time. Um, I was sitting next to Ryland Stiles, who now runs the Locked on Thunder podcast, and he's a great guy, and he does a wonderful job with that podcast. Um, It was just him and I up there. It was just weird. And the other little observation before we get into the game, Christine, was the PA that they were playing, like the music and uh, just announcements, had a slight delay. So it made this weird visual that I'm watching all the more like dreamlike you know it just didn't seem real yeah and you know it's supposed to be like this job is supposed to be fun and I'm very again thankful that I was there because I'm sure people would have loved to have been there because it makes you kind of feel a little bit closer to normal but it just wasn't fun and maybe it was just because it was game one and once I get you more accustomed to the protocols it'll be different but um it this fun job became a little bit less fun but that's enough weeping for brady and his job because who gives a damn we want to talk about the oklahoma city thunder who got the brake speed off of them by zach levine kobe white and the chicago bulls um there are some good things to take away from this game of course um sga lou dort Darius Baisley, Al Horford, and I believe, no, 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 I think that's pretty much it. Those guys did not play in the second half, basically just like they did, they didn't in the first game against the Spurs. Of course, Al Horford didn't play in that game, neither did Lou Dort or Darius Baisley. Um, There are some good things, Christine, to take away from this. So, I mean, just your overall thoughts with, let's start with the obvious. Let's start with SGA. So this is the second time that we've really seen him uh, primarily on the ball, consecutively I, I think we can probably say that for the first time in his thunder career because he's been on the ball primarily but for one game and then it goes away and chris paul would come back so this is the first time we've seen it in back-to-back games and i, I must say that you know my general thoughts i saw I, I saw some leaps being 
I saw some leaps being taken by him. Not that he'll be able to consistently do them, but I can see that he put in the work in the offseason, and it showed at least tonight in the few moments he was out on the floor. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he looked pretty confident and pretty comfortable on the ball for the most part, although... It was just very obvious to me in watching this game that he is not an explosive player by any means. You know, he oh no, he's he he's definitely never takes going his to be. time, and he's yeah, and he's not going to be. But even though he's not as explosive as you'd want for you know your point guard if they want to get to the rim or you know like have a really good um, deceptive move, I do believe though that just the fluidity and the smoothness of his moves is still deceptive enough to make him successful. Yeah, so. I mean, I do think he has a really good ceiling, and I think he could improve a lot over this season, especially if we're going to see him get on the ball more. And I think if Teo Maladon also becomes more confident, you can see them doing a one-two action pretty often, and that really excites me. Yeah, I didn't see them on the floor as much as I had wanted to, but of course, if if Shea played the second half, you're going to see that. So once we get into the season, we're going to see a lot more of Teo and SGA on the floor together. I think that's probably the most appealing guard combination uh, that Thunder fans are looking forward to because it sure as hell ain't SGA and Lou Dort because (laughs) like our good friend Jerry Ramsey pointed out, Lou Dort hasn't hit a shot since the shot he made right before James Harden blocked his shot Mm -hmm. in the first round of the playoffs last year. He was 0 for 7 tonight. But SGA, 12 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, 4 of 8 from the floor, uh, was 0 of 3 from the three-point line, 4 of 6 from the free throw line. Uh, By the way, everybody, apologies for the previous pod. NBA.com decided to update their website, and there's no longer like a little media box score that is super quick at live updating numbers (laughs) to where you don't have to refresh anything. And I didn't know that. So when Christine and I recorded the previous podcast on Saturday night, uh, we read off some wrong numbers. I highly apologize that we didn't say Teo Maladon scored 20 points instead of 14. That's that's our bad. But um, I've got a better box score in front of me on my phone right now. So I'm fairly certain that SJ had 12 points. But yeah, I mean, I mean it's going to be something, Christine, where he's going to have good nights. He's going to have bad nights. You can say that about basically any player on this team. But the 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 standard for SGA is just going to be weird because we know how good he is. He's still basically learning a new role. How is that going to affect this team? Because he's not necessarily on the same timeline as a Pokushevsky or a Teo Maladon, like he's, or especially whoever the Thunder are going to get in the future. He's at a level where he's on a playoff contender. You can see like ceiling SGA damn near like in year three with the thunder. They're trying to see if he can turn into something even more. I just, I don't know. And this is extremely early. I don't know if that's going to be good for both the franchise and SGA. If that makes sense. Like, I'm I'm sorry. Do you mean him and proving enough to be a playoff contender type player do you mean i i just so i mean sga is very good he's going to help the thunder win some games which is kind of counterintuitive to what the thunder are wanting to do okay but because the thunder are going to be so bad how does that negatively affect sga's development especially if they're trying to turn him into more of an on the ball point guard like how does this negatively affect his 
development. Like if he were still on a team like they were constructed last year, right. you could see him develop and flourish into a great off-the-ball player. But that's not what the Thunder want him to do. This is I'm getting way ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. It's the preseason, so I like there's really nothing important to talk about. Mm-hmm. But it's just something I've been thinking about. So it's just a, a storyline that I'm going to be following as the season progresses. Sure. I I personally believe that SGA is more successful when he plays off the ball. I don't see him looking as, you know, confident when he is bringing the ball down every single time, trying to make plays, play after play. So I don't really know how much this is going to help or hurt his development. But at the same time, if he's going to be playing against teams that are always better, you get better by playing against better people. You don't get better by playing against worse teams. So if he's, you know, playing like every two to three nights, always carrying the ball down, even if he's getting beaten down, he will learn something every single game he plays. And that should grow his development more than it would if he was on a like, you know, like a crazy good team because he'd probably be getting less minutes against less aggressive teams. So I I personally think it's going to help him in the long run. Okay. So that's just kind of where I stand on that. Yeah, I've just – there are examples of players at that stage of SGA's career where they're at that pivotal moment where, okay, are you going to be just a nice little role guy that has the potential to flash into something exciting or are you going to become a perennial all-star type player? He's at that crucial moment, but he happens to be on a team that's going in the opposite direction, at least for the short term. So it's just something to keep track of. Yeah. Basically. I mean, I personally think it's going to come down to his motivation. If he's, if he's, motivated. he looked fairly motivated tonight. At yeah, least no, defensively, he did. So. I mean, I mean, I thought he looked, you know, like pretty solid tonight as far as, you know, his stats go and just, um, you know, how confident he looked, but I think it's all going to come down to his motivation. And if he wants to be that guy and he wants to keep pushing himself to be that guy, he could turn into that in the, within the next couple of years. But if he kind of falls into the rhythm of, oh, like playing playing down to some of the levels that the current Thunder players are at, then I think it could be an issue. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case. The Thunder, they're not going to be the Kings. They're not going to be the process Sixers. I mean, their bad players are going to be bad, but they're, they're in a healthy environment where they're encouraged to – improve day after day like I'm confident with that but the other things that you can kind of take away from this game and this is rather hyperbolic of me but just watching Al Horford hustle his ass in a meaningless preseason game on a team that is nowhere near where he wants to be you know be with at this stage of his career I mean 15 points 6 of 10 from the floor 7 rebounds 2 or 3 putbacks just getting some just getting down and dirty Mm -hmm. in the preseason I wrote in my little notebook, yeah, Al Horford's gone very quickly because he is he's a professional. He he is in Oklahoma City, that's what he's thinking about right now. But also in the back of his mind, he's thinking, I need to show that I'm still worth it, still good, and that can help a team so I can potentially go somewhere where I could win a ring because that's what Al Horford wants in his career. Right. And that would help the Thunder, because you get some nice assets in that potential trade, and it would help Al Horford. Uh, So it's mutually beneficial for both that Al Horford kicks ass like he did tonight. And Mm -hmm. um, he's always been a fun player to watch. He's always been a favorite player of mine to follow. Yeah. Um, Unfairly criticized with the Philadelphia experience because Philadelphia, I have opinions about them and I laugh about it uh, from time to time, but it was unfair. Al Horford's 
going to be fun to watch. Thunder fans are going to like him, but him playing well like he did tonight, if he's able to do that on night-in, night-out basis, that's going to help everybody, especially if you're thinking about, eh, he's got a hard contract to move, but if, if he plays like that every night, it might be a little bit easier for Sam Presti to move it. Yeah, I think it was a huge indicator how he acted tonight to where you're looking towards the beginning of the season because, like you said, Brady, if he is out there working this hard in a preseason game when he knows he's probably only going to play the first half and the stats, you know, in the grand scheme of things, quote-unquote, really don't matter, for him to still step out there, like play some of his best ball, get down and dirty, get gritty with it, I think it shows a lot to his character, a lot to how he understands – how the NBA works, how the league works, how he knows what he needs to do to get somewhere else to where he could, you know, be a championship, be a part of a championship contender team. So, I mean, it's only going to bode well for the Thunder for him to be playing this well because they can all learn from him. They can all kind of lean on him as he would be the veteran on this team. And even though they're – I don't know if they're necessarily looking to him for leadership, it doesn't hurt that he's been around the block – he knows what to do. He knows how to get it done, and he can help influence all these players to help them improve. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Like I don't I don't know how easy it's going to be to potentially move him earlier than the trade deadline, especially with how weird this season's going to be. I don't know how that's going to affect front office movement, um, transactions, and all that. But um, he he'll be fun for Thunder fans to watch because he will be very easy to gravitate towards with his hustle play. Uh, transition uh, trailing threes like I mean just go back and watch any Thunder game against the Celtics um, before last season for the previous two years um, in Oklahoma City because Al Horford torched the hell out of the Thunder just by trailing and hitting every single three that he possibly took so he's going to be fun he's going to be great uh, a great mentor for this young team uh, no question the other thing that kind of caught my eye Christine is Darius Baisley needs the ball in his hands yeah. A little bit more. Um, seven points tonight. At one point, I think he was 4-4 four four from the floor. and then, Or no, he was 3-3 three for three from the floor. Excuse me, he missed his final two shots. But um, I think one of the questions I had for him, because this is something that he kind of struggled with, and it had more to do with just his physical makeup. His build, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, he would often have trouble with his lateral movement going through screens last mm-hmm. season, in my opinion. And I saw two examples tonight where he fought hard through screens. It's obvious he put in the time in the weight room. He just kind of looks a little bit bigger. He's able to absorb that contact. Um, And it wasn't necessarily his lateral movement that he was slow or he had bad feet. It was just, like I said, when he got into traffic, he'd slow down a little bit. I didn't see that at least in these few situations tonight. I don't know if he's going to be able to consistently do that. But it's a good start because if he's able to clean up that defensively, I know what he's capable of offensively. And that's why I kind of go back into, I want to see him have the ball more. And if that helps out SGA, take the pressure off of him, that'll be great because I've always said Darius Baisley is a point forward. That is his ceiling. Yeah. And if the Thunder want to get back to where they were, I know it's a little silly to say Darius Baisley is just as important to the future of this franchise like SGA at this point in his career. But I, I kind of think that with his ability, if that makes sense. I really don't think it's that quote unquote silly to say that because you can't just, I don't, I don't ever think you can, you know, put all of your, you know, all of your stakes into one person. I mean, unless it's like LeBron James, you know, like if you have LeBron James, obviously you can be like, Oh, well we got LeBron. So, you know, we'll probably be fine. So for 
for a team like the Thunder to just put all of their hope into someone like SGA who is so new, who hasn't been as developed as he should be to kind of, you know, like put all their future in would be an overestimate for them. So I do think it's strong for them to build their team around someone like Darius Baisley as well. And Lou Dort, even though he was not, he did not make any points tonight, which is sad. He was 0 for 7. Oh gosh, I don't want to talk about it. Lou Dort makes me. I'm a, I'm a big, Lou. I'm a big believer in Lou Dort and his ability. So it was just, um, it was unfortunate to me. I am too, but there are going to be performances like this because he's aggressive. Yeah. So it just, I mean, he will expend more energy on the defensive end every game. That's just how it is, and because he expends more energy there. It's going to hurt his shot percentage on the other end of the floor. But going back to Darius Baisley, I do think that he has a bright future with the Thunder if he you know, continues to improve and continues to really invest in this team. And just you know the flashes we saw from him tonight, I really do think he and SGA can just have so many good plays together back and forth, um, so many good pick-and-roll situations, pick-and-vol. So pick-and-vol. Oh, I'm all Dennis Schroeder. He's at he's in a better place now. He is in a better okay. place. I understand. But yeah, I, I think I think he can do a lot. And frankly, I do think he should be given the ball more. I don't know if he didn't get it as much just because he wasn't playing a whole half of basketball. He probably would have had a lot more looks, but just looks so comfortable with the ball in his hands. Yeah, and, it, it just looked like it was another piece of his body. It didn't even yeah. look like it was hard for him to even control it that much. So I'm looking forward to seeing him the next couple of games and seeing if that, you know, continues on and that trends. Uh, also, you know, as bad as Lou Dort was offensively and uh, didn't really do that much de- defensively because the Chicago Bulls, the starting five, just scored in bunches. Yeah. Um, it's not all Lou Dort's fault, but he is kind of looked at to be the on-ball defender that he was in the playoffs against James Harden. I guess with this team, I don't really know what Lou Dort's role with a non-playoff contender is he makes sense on a playoff contender mm-hmm. to go go stop their best player in the playoffs that makes sense I don't know what he is now but Lou Dort Hamadou Diallo combined one of 15 tonight and Hamadou Diallo only was the one who hit one of those shots he was one of eight from the floor and you know Hami had a pretty good game against the Spurs he led yeah. the, he led the team in field goal attempts with 12 against the Spurs he had eight tonight and it's the Hamadou Diallo experience. It's it's hot and it's cold. But the problem is, is the hot games, you know, he's got a low ceiling and a very low floor. But he does a lot of stuff. He's all over the floor. He's all over the glass. It's just, it's a make or break year for him. And mm-hmm. when he's still trying to make way onto the game, like, influence the game in in that way it's just I, I don't know how much longer they can get away with him playing that much he was the first guy off the bench I'm sure that's how the season's going to start but I think 10-15 games into the year I think it might go to somebody else like a Frank Jackson who had a very good game tonight if if Mike Muscala isn't a starter I can see him being the sixth man in but or at least the first wing or slash guard off the bench yeah yeah, yeah. I uh <laughs> I wish I had as much confidence in myself as Hami does in shooting. <laughs> like, especially the nights when he's cold, he's like, nah, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And he just doesn't stop shooting. And even though sometimes players should be more self-observant and be like, you know, 
Just saying, just saying it tonight. Yeah, you know, this ain't it tonight. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna keep passing, and you know, I'll get it back eventually. You, sometimes you do need someone like Hami to keep shooting, to keep going, and making sure you're still getting those shot attempts because you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Even Boom. though that's super cliche and super, you know, like. Did you just make that up? I really did. Oh wow, that's I'm, great. I'm just really well, wise. I need you on here a really little bit witty. more. I know. Um, if you're not taking shots, you're not going to win the game because you're not going to be scoring any points. So I don't really see a problem in him continuing to shoot. Now, should he have shared the ball more? Possibly. But again, Hami can be hot. Hami can be cold. And all it takes is one really nice shot for you to kind of just feel this, get in back, get in the swing of things, get back in your rhythm. And I'm, think that's what he was looking to do tonight wasn't successful tonight but you know a couple nights from now he could just go off and you know score 15 to 20 points and everyone would be like oh yeah that's right that's why Hamadou Diallo is still playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder yeah I mean what Hami is to this point is just what you described like he is a great spark plug he was great for Billy Donovan and on nights where the team just didn't really have it energy wise and you could throw Hami out there and he can get a steal in the open floor and go you know run down the floor and dunk it and just wake everybody up he can score four, six, eight points in about the blink of an eye just off of his effort alone. And then it wakes the team up and everybody is all the better for it. But it's just not something that you can necessarily depend upon because if that's how, he, like I said, if that's how he's going to influence the game, you can't depend upon that every single night. He needs to find more consistency with his jumper, with his playmaking ability, because that's the thing I've always been a little disappointed the Thunder haven't really tried to make him do in games is just playmake because he's fast. He's okay. He's okay. He's got okay handles. He's okay with the ball in his hands. He doesn't get scared when he puts the ball on the floor. I would just rather see him maybe play make a little bit more than shot take, like you were saying, especially when he's off like he was tonight. But uh, the other thing is the Teo Maladon fanboys who were banking on please don't let that just be a one night thing against the Spurs you know what you can live to fight another, another day because he was three of nine from the floor not great but he had 11 points two assists four rebounds uh, two of five from the three-point line three of three from the free throw line and just once again looked like a veteran player he was under control he was running the offense rather well there was one play where he went to the rim and he split two defenders like in the mid paint area and any other player, even a veteran play, a regular veteran player, especially a more athletic player, would have probably gotten a charge. It's really hard to describe because I had the angle how I was watching it. I don't know how he split them and then was able to get the ball off and he got fouled. And I'm watching it going, that is not a rookie. That is not a second-round player. That is somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah. And it's just another example, Christine, that I don't know what he's going to be, but I do know when he's out on the floor – the Thunder are going to have an offense run relatively well. They're, it's going to be run by a guy who knows what he's doing that's going to be setting up his teammates in spots and just being under control. And I think for a second-round point guard out of France, that's the, I guess that's the low end of the high end that you could ask for, if that makes sense. Like, obviously, you want him to be a Hall of Fame prime Jordan. That would be the That'd be first ideal. thing fans would ask for. But um, realistically speaking, at least be under control and look like you know what you're doing he does that like times two times three yeah it's it's one of those things where you just hope that he doesn't mess up and so you set your expectations really low as a coach and then 
if he goes out and outperforms that low expectation, you're like, oh, great. This is amazing. We can build off of this. Fantastic. But what I really like about Teo Maladon is his playmaking ability. And I know that it's been said, but I think he just has such a great vision on the floor. I think he's very creative and getting all of his teammates involved. And you can always see him just looking across the floor. He has such a great way of pulling in defenders to him, making sure that he's pulling a defense away from someone else and then just quickly gunning it back out and just always creating shots for other people. And he also knows when he needs to make his two. So just those key gut senses alone, once he builds upon those and he can become more consistent, I think the sky's the limit for him. Oh, boy. The other thing, I guess right before we get out of here, Frank Jackson, my favorite Thunder player who wasn't a part of the team but is young and has every opportunity to succeed on this team because of just the sheer amount of opportunities he's going to have to be on the floor. He had a good game, 15 points, and he was, guess what, 6 of 9 from the floor. Hey. Very nice. Very nice. So um, bad loss in terms of the, the margin meaningless game preseason so it doesn't really matter um thunder fans i don't really know what you're looking for because obviously most fans understand what's at stake here what this team's going to look like and a lot of fans want to lose a lot of games for that draft positioning but at the same time i understand as a fan you don't want to watch your team lose so this was a good performance for you or a bad performance from you but what either way there are some positive things you could take away so hopefully christine and i did our thing and highlighted them for your listening pleasure and entertainment. I hope so. I think we did. Yeah, maybe so. Either. I mean, they might've just cried with you for like the first half of the pod. Oh, no weeping. There'll be no crying. There are other things to worry about. More important things than this silly job of mine and yours. This is your job as well. Thanks for reminding me. Well, yeah. I mean, you're stuck here with me. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately. Now go back. I am not offering my shoulder for you to cry on. Back to the asylum for you, Christine. Now, everybody, thank you so much for listening to OKC82. Christine, thank you. Thank you. You've got a quick turnaround. You've got to go train a client at the gym tomorrow because you're, you know, you're pumping iron. You're strong. Oh, yeah. Strong woman over here. Grr. Grr, grr, grr. I'll be there at 530, so. Oh, God. I'm going to be asleep. Quite honestly, I do not envy you. But everybody, once again, thank you for listening to the OKC82 podcast. We are still working out the kinks for everything. We'll have a little cute little intro song at some point once we get there. Um, So just bear with us. We'll have everything ironed out by game 14. And look, I understand the irony of calling this thing OKC82 when there are 72 damn games this season. But I'm not changing the name. But guess what? It's probably going to go back to normal next season, so there's no point in changing the yeah, like, name just for a year. Not just, you know. I'm just bringing it out there. Things are going to get better. Everybody, thank you so much. Y'all have a good one.